It is July 30th, 2017, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. In this episode, I talk with Rick Salmon about staying motivated and inspired with your photography. Anybody that's familiar with Rick Salmon from his podcasts or his videos over on Kelby One knows that he just exudes enthusiasm. He's a very enthusiastic, positive guy, really fun to hang out with. And I actually got the chance to go hang out with him at his Oregon Coast workshop this past week where I gave a little presentation about luminosity mass, went out and shot with his workshop. And just got to kind of hang out with Rick. It was really fun. Interviewed him for this show. And that's what you're going to be listening to in this episode. Before we do jump into the episode, I want to remind you that ratings in iTunes helps podcasts. And if you can find the time to go give us a positive review, that will help tremendously. It'll help us reach a bigger audience. All right. So with that, let's jump into this episode where I sit down and talk with Rick Salmon about staying motivated and inspired with your landscape photography. Oh man, I am so excited to be here. You know, you, we were saying before we started, you said, Rick, you're still motivated. You're still excited. And I, I am, you know, every day I wake up and I think about the picture opportunities. And here on the Oregon coast, leading this workshop with my good friend, Alex Morley, good friend, excellent photographer. I mean, what could be better? Yeah, that guy's all right. That guy's all right. <laughs> <laughs> right now we're on the Oregon coast. You're leading a workshop. It's really cool to get to come hang out with you guys. What is it that helps you stay excited about photography because that's one of the things that you totally exude is just enthusiasm and <laughs> and i know that it's it's really easy for some photographers to kind of get down on themselves occasionally and and lose that motivation and enthusiasm so wh what's the secret rick well i don't know if there's a secret what inspires me uh is basically the light you know in your wonderful presentation on luminosity masks it's really all about the light so i go out there i look you know even even yesterday we had, it looked like bad light, but we created beautiful pictures. So I'm, I'm thinking, I'm envisioning the end result. Mm -hmm. So if it, that's, I think, one of the things. My goal yesterday, we were there with Alex and, uh, and the, all the workshop students, and I always tell people, I ask people, what's your goal? What is your goal? And my goal yesterday was to illustrate that in what seemingly were the worst lighting conditions, we can create a cool shot. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, giving yourself a challenge and meeting that challenge and maybe sharing that challenge with others, I think that keeps me uh, keeps me excited. Photography, I feel like, is very troubleshooting oriented. Like, is your <laughs> like you get to a location and you kind of have to um, solve the riddle, right. solve the puzzle, and right. and especially when the light is not you know the amazing dramatic sunset that we're always hoping right. for. It's not always that, and but there's still photos to be made, and then it's up to the photographer to figure out what those photos are. Well, there really is no bad day for, you know, photography, right? right. Everything we can do. And, and you think about Ansel Adams. What, how long did it take him to take Moonrise over Hernandez? I don't know the exact exposure. It might have been, you know, 125th or 30th of a second, whatever it was. But he spent months, years processing that picture to bring out all the shadows and the details like you were showing us in your presentation. Right. So I think if we, you know, envision the end result, I think it's A, seeing, seeing the possibilities, then thinking about your exposure settings and then taking the picture and then processing the picture and getting back to Ansel Adams, I think he said something like, um, you know, a photograph's never really done. 
And that's yeah. why he kept going back. You know, I have a lot of books, you know, 30, uh, 37 books, uh, two more coming out next year. And I have one book, I look through it, I say, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think it's good to question yourself. I think that represents the first, like, three quarters of my photographic <laughs> career. It's like, what was I thinking? Well, anyone who's listening, you know, go mm -hmm. back to your work. And, uh, well, like when it comes to black and white, I look at my early black and white, and the pictures don't have a lot of contrast. So what I say now to people, I say, if you boost the contrast a little, you're going to like the picture a little better. So mm -hmm. contrast is king when it comes to uh, black and white. But I think another reason I get uh, enthusiastic is, you, and I think all the workshop participants that share that, you know, we were shooting the puffins yesterday at the Newport Aquarium. People were looking at their pictures, and you know what chimping is, right? Yeah. Chimping is when you look at your, your the monitor on the back of your camera and you go, ooh, 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 right? You sound like a chimp. Mm -hmm. People were so excited that they were able to do something. Yeah. So everyone comes from all these different walks of life. They're doing all, they're good at something. So it's kind of humbling. You know, I think we were talking about golf last night. Yeah. You know? I get on the golf course, it's a humbling <laughs> experience. But the people were so excited, and I think if you surround yourself with upbeat, positive people, mm -hmm. and in my case, younger people. <laughs> I told you last night we saw Santana. He plays with all young people. He sounds great. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think surrounding yourself and having a good attitude uh, with younger people, having a good attitude, and I think being healthy is very important. Yeah, uh, You know, and another thing that I feel like is important, just for happiness in general, not, not just photography, but happiness in life is not to be too goal oriented. A lot of people stress about the, the importance of having a goal and having a goal is important, but reaching that goal isn't what makes you happy. It's working towards that goal and having something to work towards. And the process of getting better is what makes me happy. I'm constantly saying, you know, I'm afraid of the day when there's not that one thing left to learn. And because learning and getting better and seeing that minute growth is what makes me happy. Well, your listeners can't see it, but while you were saying that, I was smiling because that's a Zen philosophy. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not, you know, getting there. It's like, do you ever read the book, uh, Zen and the Motor and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? I have, actually. Okay, so yeah. that's about a father and the son. You know, the son wants to get there and the father's enjoying the trip. Yep. Thinking about that, I think be, I'm very goal-oriented. Mm -hmm. You know, I set goals and I set deadlines, which my wife doesn't like all, Susan, who you met, doesn't like all the time. I think enjoying the process. And you said you're, you're fearful. And I think a lot of people are fearful. Maybe that wasn't your word, that you're, you're afraid of the day that you stop learning. Mm -hmm. My father died at 92. I was teaching him the clone stamp tool in Photoshop <laughs> at 92. He wanted to learn. And I think learn, you know, another Buddhist saying is learning is health. Mm -hmm. And it is, I think that's really true. He was learning. Uh, Alex's father was learning to the, to the end. And I think, the, I think it's true. Mm -hmm. And I hope I never get Alzheimer's disease because, <laughs> and I think maybe that keeps your brain, you know, learning, the, giving yourself those challenges, I think really helps you. You know, it's a never ending list of challenges with yeah. photography because, you know, as soon as you learn something, you do it to death. Yeah. Like I kind of talked about in the most recent episode is that you, you learn that new technique, that new tool, and that kind of becomes what your photography is about for a while. You overdo it and then you're like, oh, I'm so done with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's that constant process. So what kinds of stuff is Rick Salmon working on these days? Like with your photography, is there something that you're like working towards or you're like, you know, you're really into right now? I love photographing people. I, you joked before that your specialty is not specializing like mine. Well, but when it comes down to it, I love photographing 
photographing people. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting all my people portraits together, and I hope to do a book on that. But we're we're doing uh, some travel books now. I have a, a book coming out on Route 66. Have you done Route 66? I, I've driven parts of it. Yeah, oh but man, not, never the whole thing. It, it was it's so cool. So we have a travel book coming out on uh, on Route 66. Um, but I think you know, getting back to the uh, the photography, I think one of the problems that photographers uh, uh, encounter is they want to get, you know, this, they want to get the iconic shot. They want to, well, you know, or they just want to be like another photographer. They Mm -hmm. think, oh, I'm going to live like a life like that photographer. I'm going to have like a great life. I'm going to get those, you know, be yourself. You know, as Sting, you know, Sting, uh, who I I think is a great uh, musician, plays great jazz, by the way, too. He, uh, you know, he sings, you know, be yourself no matter what they say. We were doing a workshop, and a woman called me on the phone, uh, <laughs> and she says, I'm not getting the iconic shots because we were separated. I said, great. <laughs> you know, go, go, yeah. for your, go for your own shots. And if you're going to try to get the Ansel Adams shot, you know, or, or this person's shot or that person's shot, you know, I think you might be a little disappointed. So mm-hmm. try to – we were doing a workshop and, uh, to the three of the national parks, uh, Archer, Zion, and Bryce. We had 10 people. The day before, you remember this, the day before the uh, parks were going to, the workshop was going to start, the government shut down the parks. Right. So we couldn't get any of the iconic shots. And it was the best workshop because people had to work harder mm-hmm. to get their own shots. Maybe even your own shot of an icon- iconic location is good. But I think it's like you illustrated beautifully. It's really in the processing. This is what's going to, getting back to Sting, you know, and anyone can uh, play uh, any, any of Englishmen in New York, mm-hmm. for example. But yeah, there's like a gazillion different uh, renditions of it, and they all might be good. Yeah, it's something that I've said before, and I think that you'll appreciate because I'm a musician as well. I don't know if you knew that. Well, we have to play sometime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when you're first learning to play guitar, you start by learning other people's music because right. when when the technical side is in the way and you're having to like you know force your hand yeah. into the shape of the chords, it's very difficult to be creative in that that in that right. situation because you know the technical is in the way. And the same is for photography. In the beginning, you kind of have to you emulate those iconic shots right. because you're just kind of going through the motions. But at some point, you have to expand beyond that and start doing your own thing and and start seeing beyond what you've already seen right when that process starts that's also the most exciting i think the most fulfilling as a photographer when you come away with something that you feel is like maybe the first time anybody's ever composed a shot quite like that you know and and that's far more fulfilling in the end you know i uh on some of my workshops we've done this on some of the workshops with uh with alex at the end of the workshop uh i asked the people because I see their enthusiasm. That's what we started uh, talking about. I see their enthusiasm and their love for photography. I asked them, what does your photography mean to you? I'm leaving this pause there on purpose because I want the people listening to think about it. And sometimes people cry because it's so important to people. They don't know what they would do without photography. Some mm-hmm. people say, it saved my life. It's an outlet. You know, it's a, a creative release. Uh, it's a personal thing. It gets me, it lets me share my vision, all this other stuff. But I think that's a good question. Not, you know, it doesn't mean, oh, I have a new camera and I could, you know, mm-hmm. with, with 37 megapixels, <laughs> I could do all this. What does it mean to you? And, uh, you know, to, to me, it's my camera's like a magic carpet. That's what it means to me. I never would have gotten to uh, 100 countries without the camera. Uh, Alice took us to the dock. I think it was dock seven here in uh, Newport or five. 
And uh, we, we, there was this fisherman there. So I love photographing people. So we, got, we uh, asked him if we could photograph him. We get up on the boat. We're in the pilot house. There, all the people That's are so photographing cool. him. And uh, everyone got great shots. So, it, so for me, it's it's that sharing too. That to see that you know, I, I can you know you know go somewhere. It gives you a license. That's what a, people never without a camera. You never go up in the pilot house and see all the stuff in the pilot house, all the stuff on the deck. So it, the camera really gives you a license. I if you look at it that way, a license to do things you normally wouldn't. Do. Absolutely. Another thing that I love about photography is, especially when I remember my time before photography, I see the world so differently now. Yeah. You know, I actually see the world and appreciate the world rather than drive past it. Photographers are the most distracted drivers in the history <laughs> of any anything because I'm constantly like looking at the sky and looking yeah. at you know looking at the way the light is hitting trees as I drive by. There's something about photography that just makes you appreciate the world you live in and slow down to appreciate it. Well, also about being a musician. I ask musicians, what does your music, you know, mean to you, right? And so as a musician, as you know, there's a big difference between hearing and listening. You could be driving yeah. around with your son who has shown the magic tricks to last night, and you could be hearing, you know, your favorite music, and you're just hearing it. But when, if you're driving by yourself, you might be listening to the guitar and the bass and the drums. So Absolutely. in music big difference between hearing and listening and i think as photographers there's a big difference between looking like Absolutely. you just said and seeing and that scene man is i think it gives you you know my father had macular degeneration at the end there and you know i was thinking about just the awesome gift how amazing it is that we can mm -hmm. see you know all the colors and the details and 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 look look for i think we see the beauty of the world you know if, you, if you're looking for that, I think you do uh, see what you're looking for. Right. You know, I'm not a photojournalist. So I couldn't go to, you know, you know, Pakistan and photograph poverty. I just couldn't do it. I, I'm looking for the beauty in life. You know, some people that follow me on, on social media and stuff, they comment about how if it wasn't for my photography, they would feel like they never get out of their house because they literally don't get out of their house. As a photographer, sometimes you have the opportunity to share the beautiful parts of the world with people that might not ever get to see yeah. it. And in that way, it's a, it's a gift as well because we're going out and we're photographing what's interesting to us. And because of that, some people get to see the world through us, you know, yeah. and it's kind of like people travel vicariously through us sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of cool too. You know, you get to know you're an inspiration. You know, that that is that is kind of cool. Yeah. So one of the things that you used to do on Digital Photo Experience podcast was you would do your tips for photographing the Oregon coast or right. photographing. See, we should right. do that. Let's, okay. Oh, 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 I think you're talking about like a battle of, right? Yeah. Let's do a battle of okay. of uh, let's say seascape. Okay, the gloves are off. This is the battle <laughs> of the seascape photography tips okay right. so uh i'll let you go first okay nd filters rule if you're going to photograph uh, uh moving water uh on a bright sunny day or even uh, you know at dusk if you mm -hmm. want to get that beautiful you know flowing water shot which actually some people don't like i did a workshop he didn't like that he just he wanted to shoot at a five thousandth of a second and freeze it. i'm serious <laughs> yeah but anyway and nd filters would be my number one tip absolutely and uh, kind of piggybacking off of that shutter speed matters different shutter speeds can really change the feeling of a photo you know if you have like those big splash shots and you that's a, sometimes you want to freeze that and yeah. like show the power of it uh, the other times you want to you know introduce kind of a more flowy kind of peaceful look and a longer shutter speed matters. so like paying attention to shutter speed and experimenting with different shutter 
better speeds while you have that composition, I think would be mine. Okay, another one, uh, when you open up your tripod, usually you want to open the thick legs first for the most stability. But if you open the thick legs first and you're, and the little legs are in the sand, mm -hmm. you're going to get all sand in there. And as Alex says, you know, you're going to really have to shower with your tripod afterward to get all that grit out. So open the, the thin legs first. Yeah. Absolutely. And piggybacking yeah, off of yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. um, my favorite thing ever are, are tripod spikes. When you're photographing on a beach or like in mud, when you have those nice long spikes, I use the ones from Desmond, yeah. they're fairly cheap. It, you can jam that down into the sand and then when the waves recede back beyond your tripod, it's not going to vibrate and kind of get undermined. So tripod spikes and sand are awesome. Yeah. Okay, another one, um, learn how to see the light. There's a couple of things in this, but we, number one, I think we have to learn how to see the contrast range in the scene, especially when mm -hmm. we're shooting into the sun and know that your camera can't capture everything that your eye can see. But as you illustrated with the luminosity mask, a great demo, you know, we could bring out that. So learn how to see the contrast range in the scene. I think the direction of light, where are those shadows falling? Mm -hmm. So it's the contrast range, it's the direction of the color of light. You know, if it's a little warm, we may want to make it cool. If it's cool, we want to make it a, a little warmer. And I think, uh, following up what you said you know the movement of light that movement of the water so learning how to see the light i think is really key oh, yeah. and huge. then knowing how to capture that light and then knowing how to process the light mm -hmm. I would say one of the biggest things that I recommend to people is just to get closer. Yeah. Getting closer in general almost always makes for a better photograph. But when you're dealing with oceanscapes, by getting closer, getting lower, getting closer to that water that's flowing away from you or towards you, it puts the viewer into the photo. They can really envision themselves getting their toes wet as they look at the shot. So getting closer, getting lower. And as a result, this is a bonus thing, having a microfiber towel yeah. for when your wood camera oh, gets wet. that would be my next tip. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, because when you get closer, you're going to get wetter as yeah. well. But that helps. But that's the same thing with people photography. I say the more, the, the closer you are to the subject, the more intimate the picture becomes. That's why I love photographing people with like a semi-wide angle lens. Yeah. Because you feel, you feel as though you're there following up on, you on, the, on, the, uh, on the cloth, like with the lens cleaning cloth. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people just trying to wipe off the mist, you know, like back and forth and up and down. But if you start, it's a simple tip. If you start from the middle and, war and move outward in a circular motion, you're push, pushing the salt spray out yes. rather than just moving it around. Absolutely. And we're piggybacking on yeah, piggybacks yeah, now, but I found this really cool, uh, it's basically called a scientific cleaning wipe. And they're dirt cheap. They, they come in a pack of like 500. It looks like a little Kleenex box, mm -hmm. but they're super absorbent. So when you just touch, touch water with it, it just goes and sucks in. So a microfiber like lens cloth will just kind of push it around. Right. But these lens cloths just well, absorb it. And it's really cool. They're dirt cheap. I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Another tip I'd have is uh, use your camera. I used to say use your camera like a spaceship moving it up and down. Mm -hmm. But now I have to change it <laughs> to move your camera like a drone. Right. <laughs> because, you know, like with your Thor's well picture, when I go there this afternoon, I have my tripod, I'm 6'2", it goes a little above my head. I'm going to try to shoot down into yeah. it. But some people might like, you know, just shooting a few inches off the ground. So change it, varying your viewpoint in all your photography. Whether it's, you know, if I was going to take a picture of you right now and I wanted a person to really relate to you, I'd see eye to eye and shoot eye to eye. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to make you more powerful in the picture, I'd shoot a little low. And if I want to look like a snapshot, I'd shoot down. So I think th moving your camera up and down is really important. Yeah. You know, moving it to, 
using that Dutch effect is good, but not in the landscape. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Another thing is to not set your camera up too quick. A lot of times we get to we get to where we're going to shoot, and the first thing we do is grab a tripod, grab a camera, and we start. And by doing that, you stop exploring, you stop like actually looking at the scene and just by like wandering around and like just seeing like you're yeah, talking yeah. about and just looking at what all the different possibilities, maybe use your cell phone to compose a few photos and, and just explore a little bit more. You end up coming home with better compositions because you thought longer about them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, I, you know, I talk a little fast. And I was given a presentation once, and I'm talking about the importance of composition and uh, cropping. Because cropping gives us a second chance at composition. So I'm at this talk, and I say, you know what's really important? Cropposition. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I put them together. But along with that, I think finding the subject, in other words, cut the clutter. Right, yeah. you, you could be at Thor as well. You know, there is a subject there, but if you do it too wide, you, you might like that shot. But in seascape photography or the sea stack pictures you had, you still have to have a main subject, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the main subject and then uh, process that like you were showing, you know, with the burning, the dodging, the luminosity mask. So you want to find the main subject and then you want to process that so that main subject stands out. So your picture is just not like a visual mess, right. compositional mess. Exactly. A lot of times when we show up to a location, we kind of, we try to impose our own vision on a sh shot, right? Right? And so if, if you've been envisioning this big wide angle shot with all this big, beautiful sky, and then you get there and there is no big, beautiful sky, a lot of people, they just shoot that shot anyways. And you have to be willing to kind of call an audible. If the sky sucks, don't include it. Right. That's basically right. it. Is, you got to work with what nature is giving you that day. And if nature is not giving you a sky, don't include much of it because it's not going to propel your story yeah. forward. So on those days when the sky is not cooperating, maybe it's a great day for a telephoto, maybe yeah. it's a good day for macro, or just including less of that sky. Sometimes the shot's not the shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the shot, we were in Iceland and we were at this uh, geyser. Everyone wanted to photograph the geyser. And it was terrible light. We were there at the wrong time. But behind this geyser, you know, miles away were these fantastic lenticular clouds. Mm -hmm. So yep. that was a shot. I, and one thing I do, uh, you know, getting back to the, the, the tips here, this is what I say to the students sometimes. And I was saying this yesterday. If you could only take one shot, what would that one shot be? It'd be what you said before, slow, slowing down. And I, I promise the students that if you say, if I could only take one shot, not bracket. <laughs> you, you've only been a photographer uh, for a few years, so you don't know what the BLH rule is, do you? BLH? Oh, I don't think well, I do. <laughs> we, Alex, do you know what the BLH rule is? The BLH rule. <laughs> the BLH rule is when we shot slides, we had to use the BLH rule, bracket like hell. <laughs> okay, because you had to get you had to get the slide, you had to get the exposure right, right on. So yeah. a lot of people still be, use the BLH rule and. Uh, Actually, someone was at the aquarium yesterday, and they have the top-of-the-line camera with, you know, 6,000 frames per second, and I think the person still missed the shot. I think, I think the person still missed, yeah. you know, the gesture is so important. Well, gesture in wildlife and people, oh, and, and in waves, mm -hmm. too, the gesture of the waves coming in and out. So I think uh, the person I said, if I could only take one shot and, and looking for the light and looking for that, okay, anticipating the action. I do promise people they'll get a higher percentage of pictures if they yeah. Absolutely. don't use Absolutely. the BLH rule. 
<laughs> so what, what cool stuff do you have coming up, Rick? Well, we have a couple of uh, workshops. I'm on uh, Kelby One. I have 14 classes there. Wow, and 14. 14. And Can you remember what they all are? Uh, I, I can. Some are on studio <laughs> lighting, some are on exposure, some are on the composition. My latest one is on the composition. It's cool. the 20 time-proven rules of composition. Wow. So I, the first thing I say is break the rules. Right. But you're saying with guitar, you learn the solos, you learn the chords, and then you break the rules. Yep. So that's popular. And then I, I'm going uh, there in December to do, in, in September to record another class. And in December, I'm doing another class. And uh, I cool. really love, I love teaching like you do, right? Don't you get an yep. incredible uh, satisfaction out of teaching? Yeah. And doing workshops where you just get to, you know, travel around with a bunch of other photographers that love doing what you do as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. going to places like the beautiful Oregon coast, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. it doesn't get much better than this. It doesn't. We have a couple of trips to Africa coming up. I hope Alex, Alex comes on one of them, uh, uh, two safaris uh, in 2018, two in, uh, two in 19, and going to play a lot of guitar. Just got a new guitar, so going to play, <laughs> play a lot of guitar. So we have to gym. You play guitar, piano, or? Uh, drums, actually. You play drums? Drummer, yeah. Okay. Well, a lot of people don't realize the most important thing in a band is the bass and the drums. Yeah. So if you don't have that, that, if you don't have that solid, I think maybe in photography too, if you don't have that solid, you know, foundation of you know knowing the basis of composition, knowing the basic of uh, basics of exposure, uh, you might uh, lose your track, so to speak. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Rick. This has been awesome. Thank you, man. Man, you're a great host, man. Love being here. We have to do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you go over and like and subscribe and all that fun stuff over on iTunes. Also, we do have a Facebook group where you can converse with other listeners of the show. Just do a search for the Landscape Photography Podcast, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys.